Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and today we're going to be talking with Dr. Nick Sestilio about breaking practice ownership myths about the next generation of optometrists on today's OI show. Dr. Nick Sestilio, I knew you as a student, I knew you as a leader of the private practice club at SUNY, I knew you as a leader in solution. Um, welcome. For those of for those in the audience that maybe don't know about you, Nick, your background, share us uh, share with us a little bit about your background. First, with your just kind of generalized interest in private practice when you were in school with the private practice club, your solution um, leadership role, and then when you when you graduated optometry school. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, Mila, I really wanted to thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, being being a student, um, you know, seven years ago, we were just talking about it was the first time that I met you and in, in Optometric Insights. And um, overall, you know, I, I, it's a great honor to, to be on the show with you. So I really, really do appreciate uh, you having me on. Um, but yeah, so so overall, I, I started uh, back in 2015, straight out of UConn, University of Connecticut um, at SUNY College of Optometry. And, and, and really, um, I, I, I sparked an interest, I would say, um, in private practice optometry and became inspired. Um, actually, before that, um, I do have a family friend who has had a lot of success in the private practice optometry world. Um, I saw how, how you know, well he was doing, how much um, he, he really loved his life. And I was like, well, I, I can get into something like that. So, you Nick, know, th you know. this, this was in optometry school that you kind of were really starting to see this path for yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and really, uh, you know, where, where it started in terms of my journey um, as a student and getting into the private practice world um, was, was through the private practice organization on, on campus. Um, uh, at SUNY, we have the Student Optometric Leadership Association for Private Practice, um, and essentially there, um, I, I was actually working hand in hand for about three years. I started off as a student liaison and then worked my way up as vice president and then eventually as president of the um, private practice club and, and really immersed myself in the private practice world, um, whether it was attending different conferences um, and, and networking with, with other uh, you know, successful uh, practice owners um, and also uh, you know, really through the different talks and, and everything that uh, we either hosted at our school um, or we would host at, or, you know, see actually at the conferences. And um, really the, the biggest one uh, was, was the Student Optometric Leadership Network, which, you know, we, we've seen each other at several times. And, and really that, that was, a, a, you know, instrumental in, in leadership training uh, for me. Um, as a private practice owner. So Nick, that's the acronym for that conference is the Solution Conference. Share with, with the listeners a little bit more about that because I'll tell you, Nick, so I went to optometry school. I graduated 20 years ago. There was no such thing as private practice clubs. That just didn't exist when I was in optometry school. So when I saw this and when I saw the interest that you guys had in practice ownership and the conference that you guys had put together as students, I mean, it's just unbelievable to see. So, so share with the audience again a little bit more about what that solution conference is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, like in the name, Student Optometric Leadership Network, um, really, it was uh, training for, for leaders of optometry and, and really progressing private practice, um, you know, in, in the best way possible. And, and really what Solution did, um, you know, we, we, it was really a, a small conference that we would have once a year, but it would really carry with us 
for the rest of the year. And, and whenever we would bring it back actually to the <laughs> <laughs> to school, a lot of people were like, oh, can I get in on this? And we we're like, oh, well, well, we can't really do that. But um, we could certainly tell you, give you a little bit and get, you know, give you a taste from, you know, these speakers that that come to the, the conference. But um, essentially uh, what it did was was propel us and better prepare us for, um, you know, the next phase of our life in practice ownership. And, and you know, without solution, I really, really would not. I don't think that I'd be here <laughs> where I am right now. Um, but but overall, it, it it really is just an amazing organization um, that that makes you know basically makes and and propels the, the leaders of optometry. In the future. Nick, yeah. as a practitioner, as a clinician, as a practice owner, I what I saw like just absolutely inspired me with with mm-hmm. people like you that are really interested in wanting to know as much as possible about not necessarily the clinical side of things but how that all translates into the actual optometric business model so it's cool exactly. so so now now let's fast forward to the the most prominent most important day of your life it was may of 2019 when you when you finally graduate you get the yep. doctor of optometry from suny take us take us from the path from where you were in 2019 to today. Absolutely. So um, in 2019, uh, after graduation, um, I, I did, uh, you know, uh, before that, I actually was was in talks um, to basically get into a private practice that um, had a situation where I would be able to um, either buy into or buy out um, the, the practice. And, you know, fortunately, actually, I, I met um, through uh, the, the Connecticut State Optometric um, meeting um, that, that prior year. I met the, 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 the person who would give me my first job and also, um, you know, would allot me this opportunity to, to buy out a practice. Um, but anyways, essentially from 2019, I started um, part-time about two and a half days per week um, with this doctor. And, and really the reasoning behind that is that I wanted to make sure to get um, as much a wealth of, of an experience as, as best as I possibly could um, in order to uh, best prepare me for, for practice ownership. And what I mean by that is just to see the different modalities of practice and, and see exactly you know, what um, what was out there, what what some doctors were doing that were, you know, doing a, a great job with certain things, but maybe not so good of a job with some other things. And um, I worked with this doctor, and then I also worked with another doctor um, at, a, at another private practice location. And then ultimately, uh, you know, uh, 2022 came around, and uh, the, this doctor that I've been working with since, since graduation, um, you know, said, hey, well, I'm ready to, to move on. I'm ready to move on to the next step of my life. And um, that led me up, you know, led up to me um, having the opportunity to, to buy an established op- optometry practice that was um, overall doing well. Um, it, it, it fit well with me. Um, and uh, I had a, a great, you know, obviously connection with, with the doctor and the patient base. Um, and the stars just aligned and allowed me to, to have this opportunity. Yep. Nick, does the does the senior doctor still see patients in the practice? Because because yeah. the purchase was actually done in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was April of 2022. Correct. Yep. yep. April 29th, 2022 is the closing. Okay. Date. Yep. Yep. 
Great. Absolutely. So is the senior doc still um, on in the practice? Yep. So, uh, to, yeah, so he's still in the practice. Um, so he wanted to make sure because, you know, as as a, a retiring doctor, you, you want to make sure that you're you're, you're getting the, um, you know, the, the transition period that you want. Yeah. Um, and for him, he wanted to stay on for roughly about five years um, on a part time basis. Um, currently, uh, he's working 24 hours a week and he's gonna, going to be doing this for about three years, and then he's going to cut his schedule down for the last two to, to, to about 16 hours per week. And um, that was that's what he was comfortable with. Yep. So Nick, prior to you purchasing the practice, was he um, in the practice more days a week? Was he in the practice? How, yeah, how was his schedule? Absolutely. So so he did, um, He when I started with him, he did end up slowing down just a little bit. Um, he was roughly there for about, uh, you know, like 32 hours, I want to say roughly okay. um, prior. So he, he really cut back about eight hours, um, you know, patient care a week. Um, yeah. But yeah, but but roughly, I would say 32 hours he was working prior to the takeover. Yeah. So you you ramped up your schedule a little bit. He brought his down a little bit. We, that's we great. basically did the switch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then Nick, I think that's a great, I think that's a nice progression. I think optometry barring um we're mentally sound we're physically capable of doing the the yep. job i think that's the beautiful part about our profession um is we can continue to do that and i really love that strategy of that nice kind of slow phase out as opposed to today the 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 key switch and everything's changed in the practice that's such a smart strategy nick on on yours and your senior doctor's um part i really like that how much how much of a well I have several questions, Nick. So first and foremost, did you graduate with debt? Like, did you have student loans when you graduated optometry school? I sure did. Yeah, yeah, j just about as much as any any other, you know, uh, you know, graduating OD would. <laughs> so, so, so here's here's the here's the part that I need to wrap my mind around, Nick, because. Yep. This is the challenge that I think, like even back 20 years ago, this was the challenge for me. Like I had student debt as well too, but now I'm going and buying into this practice. And my timeline was almost identical to yours, Nick. It was like three years after graduation. And then we're taking the next next phase with partnership and everything like that. So, so there's a lot of concern around debt and the fact that it's going to limit some potential opportunities. So how did you manage that debt and then... Give yourself an opportunity to say, you know what, this is the practice where I want to go into and I know that ownership is what I want. How did you manage? Not even how did you, how are you managing all of that? Because <laughs> now I, I think you have a second note to somebody, correct? Yeah, With the, For the practice? Um, yeah, so, so, so overall, uh, I, I do have a note uh, for the practice, absolutely. But to answer your question about the the, the initial debt as, uh, you know, for, from optometry school, um, typically, I, I mean, it's it just sound budgeting, right? I mean, you can't go out and, you know, spend the, your paycheck on this, this and that, all these these frivolous things. Uh, really, what was was instilled in me as a student is that you really need to, you know, yes, you're making the doctor money now, but now we have to start, you know, live, you know, making the doctor salary, but living still like a student you know, yeah, okay, maybe you get to spend your money a little bit here, have some dinners, you know, um, live in a, a relatively nice place, but you can't go ahead and, and just start, you know, blowing all of your, your, your paycheck, you have to budget, you have to budget. So, um, so yeah, so, so overall, I, I did maintain my budget. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to, to, you know, limit spending, frivolous spending as much as I possibly could. And, and really, uh, when it comes down to it, 
Um, the, the banks, when they, they look at your debt, um, when you're buying a practice, uh, th there's they're not really too concerned too much about some other debt that you have. I mean, it's certainly not ideal for them, but uh, the way that they look at you is, is that um, banks see the opportunity in, in, in healthcare, right? And they see that a, a private practice in general, um, it, it, it has a relatively high success rate, right? A 95% success rate. You look at some of the other, um, you know, industries, like for example, um, you know, buying a restaurant, right? What does a restaurant have for a success rate? 33%, right? So overall, the banks know that they will, they'll be making their money. And, and, and really, that's, I think, in general, what the banks care about. And that's why I think that they'll loan out that, that sort, of a money, sort of money for a private practice. Nick, you're young in age, but you're a very old soul. That's why I think <laughs> I connected with you years ago at Solution. You're so right. So, Nick, you've really taken this kind of like sage sound advice of the, and it doesn't sound like it's fancy, right, Nick? It's it's strategic budgeting for a, hey, I graduated optometry school, but I know what it's like now to live like a student. So I can continue doing this right now for what I perceive as the long-term benefit of doing this in the short term. Exactly. And you 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 made it and you managed it happen. Now, Nick, are you in your current office full-time or are you working anyplace else in addition to your own office? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. So uh, that this place certainly keeps me busy. So I, I am here um, on a full-time basis. Uh, roughly, I, would, I go between... Uh, 32 hours of patient care a week to 37, depending on whether or not I'm working the Saturday or if the other doctor is. Um, but but overall, yes, there, there certainly is uh, enough for me to, to work here solely um, and not have to pick up extra work elsewhere. Yep. And I'm assuming the other times or hours you're working on administrative stuff and all the other things that are involved in absolutely. The, the practice. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And Nick, when you graduated optometry school and you started with this practitioner. You said you were working in another office. Did you did you work in one location or did you have multiple like places that you went to when you were working your other um, job? So you started with with this this practice, but you had other positions that you were doing. How, how did that look on your schedule? Yes. So, so uh, where I started off. Um, so when, when I started working with this other doctor, um, I was also in the in the process of negotiating because I really wanted to work for uh, about two or three um, separate practices, different locations, separate doctors, separate organizations, really to to get as as much of a you know wealth of experience as I possibly could. Um, unfortunately, with the other um, you know you know any any other opportunity, it uh, didn't end up working out so well. And um, and unfortunately, I actually ended up uh, working as a, a traveling. Um, a doctor going to different nursing homes and providing oh. uh, patients. Yep, with, with some interesting. Care. And then COVID happened. Uh, the big shutdown. Uh, unfortunately, any sort of third-party doctor, um, you know, that wasn't directly affiliated with the nursing homes, um, that we weren't allowed to, to you know, step foot in there mm -hmm. at the time. And then back when the, you know, in the, in the beginning, I decided to leave that, and I, I found another opportunity. Um, in a, a multiple location practice. I only worked in one location there, um, but, but overall it was another um, OD only private practice. Um, and uh, I got a lot of experience there as well. That's great, Nick. Like even seeing the exposure to mobile technologies too, just from your nursing home experience is Absolutely. probably going to pay dividends, even as you're looking to invest in new technologies in your current practice as well too. Yep. So Absolutely. Nick, I have, a, I have a tough question for you now. 
Um, <laughs> so so now, now imagine I'm either a first, a second, a third, or a fourth year optometry student. I am you seven years ago or six years ago or five years ago or when you were in optometry school. Mm-hmm. And you know the, the student burden and the student load in terms of student debt that's that's starting to accumulate what what if you could give them one or two pieces of advice if if i'm that person and i'm interested in private practice but i am concerned about my ability to do that because of my student loan debt give me a a a word or two of advice as a student early on to help it so that i can be a private practice owner so picture yourself talking to that student right now what's the one or two pieces of advice that you'd give them absolutely Um, The number one thing that I would say, Amila, is you really need to put yourself out there um, in terms of your extracurriculars, right? Um, You know, even even if you're not totally interested in private practice, you know, if you have a passion for something, um, you know, something that you're going to be doing for, you know, essentially the rest of your life, you really need to uh, make sure that you're doing um, more on top of just your, your, you know, your your, uh, curricular duties, right, as a student. Um, so, so overall, the, the number one thing that, that I'll say is, is when I was a student, um, and, and I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now if I didn't take this leap, um, I, I was, for the private practice club, I was, I was like, ah, you know, I probably won't get this position as the first year student liaison for the, for the private practice club. And, you know, I, I probably won't get it. I had a lot of self-doubt, Mila. And, and really the single best decision that I made was, you know what, Nick, shut up. Just go ahead, apply <laughs> for this position. You never know what's going to happen, and and I, I'm glad that I did. It was it was probably the single best decision that I made to go for this position because I I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I had today. Um, you really need to put yourself out there um, with with networking. Uh, put yourself out out there in terms of uh, extracurricular activities because if you don't, um, then you're not going to be able to have a lot of these opportunities and and the knowledge that that you need to, to, to launch yourself into private practice ownership. Well, this is a larger philosophical discussion, but you really are your own self-limiting prophecy, right? You, you, t- you said, well, I don't know if I'm going to do it. And then you finally said, Nick, let's do it. You yep. did it. And, yep. and you were you were the person that defined what you actually ended up doing. Absolutely. Nick, you're, you're, you're one of those leaders that I always remembered too. And, and it's, it's crazy, Nick, like, you know, now that I talk to other practitioners that are out there, there's this concern that, well, we don't know if the next generation of optometrists is interested in practice ownership. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Nick, this conversation with you and my interaction with individuals from the private practice clubs across all the schools and colleges of optometry in the school in the country, the solution conference just shows that there is this interest and it's just really kind of connecting the dots from now nick people like you who said yeah i wanted to do this and this is how i did it and sharing those stories and i think these are just so absolutely valuable for those students that are now looking at you nick and saying well if nick could do it i could do it well, that's it absolutely I'm, yeah but you, particularly you, special Mila. you know you, you really just you, have to put yourself out there and, and things will work out for you, right? You have to make the right decisions in terms of um, your extracurriculars. It, it's really, really important. And, and in general, you know, if, if something makes you feel, you know, uncomfortable, like, ah, you know, I don't know if I could do this, right? <laughs> Take the leap of faith, all right? The, the, most, the most rewarding thing that you could ever do is, is really take an uncomfortable situation, 
and make it a comfortable situation. Yeah. And and you're and you're not going to do that just by uh, you know kind of sliding by and just doing your your schoolwork and doing the bare minimum. You really have to put yourself out there. Well, Nick, I I'll tell you, I I could talk to you for about another. 10 hours on this absolutely. whole topic. This, this is, this is, this has been absolutely awesome. Nick, we're going to have you back on the show for sure. But I think today, I mean, you really broke a lot of these perceived myths about the next generation of optometrists and interest in practice ownership. And I just really, really think that your story in today's day of age, today's day and age is just awesome to hear for not only practitioners that are potentially interested in selling to um, younger practitioners that are going to be kind of the next generation of caregivers in those practices, but also to those students that, again, are intimidated by everything that's happening and just worried about getting through boards and saying that, yeah, it can happen. Like people, people can do this and I'm seeing those models that can do this. So, so I, I, I thank you, Nick, for sharing, sharing your story. This was, this was absolutely a, a pleasure to, to talk to you today. Absolutely. Well, well, again, I really, really do appreciate you having me on Milo. This is a great experience. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I love what you're doing. Uh, I love, you know, you and Dave, what you guys are doing for the, for the profession is just, uh, nothing short of incredible. So, so again, I do appreciate the opportunity today. Well, appreciate you, Nick. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Optometric Insights Show.